Amen, amen. Uh, first off, good morning and welcome. Uh, secondly, sorry for the collision at the door. Uh, if y'all heard that during that prayer, that was me running wide open into Monica um, at the door, and she bumped into the door because I hit her so hard. Um, I apologize for that if that distracted you during prayer. Uh, third thing, uh, man, we had an awesome Christmas house this past Friday. Uh, we had 61 families uh, on our campus this past week, uh, uh, this past Friday, uh, during a two-and-a-half-hour period. And uh, that's incredible. Um, it took a lot of work from from those of you who brought uh, gifts for those young children, uh, for those of you that brought soups um, to, to, to that we could eat something in here, uh, from the parking lot team to the outside greeters to the two ladies that were working the check-in, uh, to the people that are serving food in here, to those that were milling around and having great conversations. 61 families came in, every single family got to sit down with somebody from our church and just have a conversation. We decided this year to just go super, relation, trying to build good relationships. Uh, it wasn't a super deep conversation, just chit-chatting about life. And uh, it was really, really incredible, everybody that was in here. Uh, we had people outside that were running and getting gifts, a team over in there that was managing all the gifts, a kids team that was just 67 kids came through in a two-and-a-half-hour period. Some of them stayed for an hour, hour and a half. Like, that's that was a lot. And our ta- our kids team handled it awesome. Uh, it was just incredible. Uh, it was, there, there's, a, there's few things uh, throughout the year, I don't know if there's anything, honestly, um, that makes me more proud to be the pastor of Lindsay Lane East than the way we handled Friday night. And uh, to see all of you serving, it was just incredible. And uh, and I will say a uh, big thanks to, to Trey and Morgan Norman, our missions coordinators, who, who headed that up. And yeah, um, they did a great job. And the one thing that I said in the first service, and I'll say again, uh, they, they, they asked us as a staff, if they could throw out the playbook. Uh, we've done the Christmas house the same way for several years now, and they wanted to change it up completely and make it look more like our church and make it much more inviting. Um, they laid a vision before us. The staff, we bought in. Um, you guys as volunteers bought in. And I think if you've been here in the past and you were here Friday night, you sensed the difference. As I said, it felt like a celebration. It felt like, I don't know, it felt good. That's what I'll say. It felt really, really good. Um, and so I'm, I'm thankful to you guys. Uh, to One of our staff values is forward thinking, one of our leadership values. And the Normans uh, stepped up to the game and uh, and thought forward and, uh, and challenged their own thoughts. And so it was really, really cool. Uh, thank you for everything that went into that. And uh, and it's, it's always a cool thing. Uh, this morning, we're continuing this Advent series. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 1. So we lit our third candle, uh, the pink candle, um, and so the first week, remember, we talked about hope that Jesus brings uh, not only uh, just to one particular people group, but to the entire world, that Jesus is our hope. And then week two, we, we lit the second purple candle and talked about uh, the peace that Jesus is to us through his life, death, and resurrection. And today, we're going to look at joy, and uh, man, is it not just a... A joy-filled day outside. <laughs> like we were, I told Kelly this week, uh, we have a lady at the end of our road who like has, I'm pretty sure she borrowed them from an airport. She has these lights that shine on her house and it's incredible. And then you get down to our house and we have like two little dollar, it looks like from the road, it looks like Dollar General flashlights just shining on our house. 
And I asked Kelly, I was like, why is it so dim? Like, we've got to do something. She said, they're solar powered. <laughs> right? And like, there's no power stored up in there because they haven't been sunshining. All right, Joy, uh, is what we're talking about today. Um, and it doesn't, it's gloomy, it's nasty outside, but we're going to talk about joy. Um, Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 55. I'm going to start there. I'll pray, and then we'll come back and dive in, okay? Luke 1, beginning verse 46. The word of the Lord says this. Uh, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely, from now on and all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever just as he spoke to our ancestors. Let me voice another prayer. Father God, we do come before you, God, and we lay the scripture at your feet, God, to uh, to, to make sense of it. Um, God, as you've done in my heart this week and in my mind to help me understand these, this passage, God, I pray that you would do the same for all of us now. Um, God, you would speak through me and bring clarity through the work of your spirit um, in us today. And so, God, we, we're so thankful uh, for this season of Advent and what it means for us as a church, God, what it means for us as Christians. Um, that you sent your son to not only be born as a baby, but to live a perfect life, to die on a r- nasty, rugged cross, and but you raised him up to new life again. And so, God, uh, so that we too can have a relationship with you. And so, God, today, as we study this passage, God, help us to find real joy um, and not settle for some bargain version. Um, help us today. Uh, teach us to know you today and be with us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. There are uh, there are some lines of literature, like when you read it, they're so perfectly written uh, that they become iconic. You, oftentimes, you can even recognize a book simply from one line. Right? Somebody can give you one line from a book, and you can recognize it. So we're going to test the literature level of our church today, and let's see if you can do better than the first service did. Which was terrible. All right, here we go. Um, here's the first one. This above all, to thine own self be true, and it must follow as the night the day. Thou canst not then be false to any man. <laughs> so close. Uh, we do have Shakespeare. It's from Hamlet. From Hamlet by Sir William Shakespeare. All right, here we go. Second one. I am not afraid of storms, for I am learning how to sail my ship. Not a bad guess. Little women. All right, here we go, number three. There is some good in this world, and it's worth fighting for. I, from the two towers, Lord of the Rings. Hey, you guys actually did better. First service didn't get any right. Um, but for those of you that are like, I didn't know any of them, um, I didn't either. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to simplify things to get it more in my realm. Okay? Movie quotes. Amen? Amen. Here we go. All right, movie quotes. Show me the money. Uh, Jerry Maguire, 96. Uh, you can't handle the truth. A few good men, 92. You're going to need a bigger boat. Jaws, there it is. Uh, 
If you build it, he will come. Field of Dreams, 89. Which, by the way, I remember that they will come, but that's not what it says. It's he will come. Anyway, you're killing me, Smalls. Sandlot. And lastly, Houston, we have a problem. Apollo 13. All right. So we did a little better there. Okay. Uh, um, But we still love the Bible. We may not read books as a church, but we do read the Bible. Amen? Amen. All right. We'll stick to movies and everything else. All right. But these lines... These lines from those movies become so have become so iconic that honestly you hear that one thing and you, you think about the whole story of the movie. That one quote like almost sums up the whole movie in our minds because it draws attention back to that. Now, in a similar way, the the speech or the song of Mary from Luke chapter one is the epitome of, of the way we view Mary. Like this is one of the only times we see uh, the, the mother of Jesus speak. Um, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's an incredible, as we're going to look at and kind of study, it's, it's really incredible what she's speaking. And at some point in early Christian history, it actually developed its own name. And if you grew up in like the Catholic church, you know that, and you're like, other people don't know that. Um, but for, uh, for those of us that maybe grew up in Protestant churches, we may not know. Um, but it, it's called the Magnificat or Mary's Magnificat. Um, But it's called that. It's a Latin word. The very first word that Mary speaks in the Latin version of the Bible is the word magnificat. And so it, 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 that becomes kind of the quote. When you, when you say the word magnificat, those that know, those that understand what that means, they're thinking of Luke 1, 46 through 55. And it's what comes to their mind. And I want to study through this today because I think not only are these words that Mary speaks just beautifully spoken, but I believe they're worth looking at and, and studying because what we see Mary do is exemplify joy. They're exemplifying, she's exemplifying joy. So look at the first two verses again. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. That's, that's, a, that's a, an exaltation. That's a worship, a form of worship to magnify the name of the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Now, that word rejoices that she uses in the Greek language is a compound word, and you're going to love this. It can literally be translated jump for joy. So, like a jump and a yippee. That's what we're looking at, right? Like a jumping for joy. So, she's saying, and my spirit jumps for joy in God my Savior. And even even in our own language, rejoice is, is tied to the word joy. It's the way that we act. We rejoice when we're joyful. But here's the thing about joy. Joy has to be rooted in something. Joy has to be rooted in, it's not just a simple feeling or an emotion that comes because you got a good night's sleep and you feel good today. Some of you came feeling good today. That's not joy. Joy must be tied to some things, some truth, some view of the world. And and today, um, and as I, this week as I was studying this passage, just I just tried to pull out three things. So I've got three today. Um, that, that Mary's joy seems to be rooted in based on what she says. And I think they're going to open our eyes to understand joy a little bit better as well. And the first thing is this, if you're a note taker, jot it down. Mary rejoiced when she experienced God's blessings. You see, this is the first thing Mary says in verse 48. She says, my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy. You see, Mary is overwhelmed with joy in this moment because of the way God has chosen for her to bring the Savior into the world. 
She's excited and she's experiencing a jump for joy moment in her life. But what we know about Mary, just from reading the little bit that we do get in Luke 1 about Mary, is that this was not an emotion that we were experiencing beforehand. This seems to be a new emotion for her in this moment because it was certainly not how she felt earlier. Earlier in the chapter, verse 28 of Luke 1, angel comes to her, tells her the good news. He begins by saying, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. And Mary's response is, Huh? Me? Right? Like that's that's the Heath version of what Mary says. She doesn't say anything, but the author tells us she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Like, the angels comes and says, "Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you." And she's like, "What? What are you talking? How am I favored? Who? Why? Why would this angel be speaking to me this way?" It seems from this comment that experiencing the blessings of God as she's about to hear was new for her, and it overwhelmed her. It's obvious here, as we look at this, that Mary's statement, Mary's, uh, Mary's, um, these blessings that she's experienced, she knows not to take credit for them. She knows that uh, this is nothing that she's done. She knew she was undeserving of such a task. And so joy, what we're learning is for them to first experience joy through the blessings of God, we have to make sure that God gets the glory for it. You see, joy cannot be rooted in the pride of our own decisions or our own perceived value in ourselves. It must be rooted in God's blessing to us. What he has spoken over us or given to us. And the problem is, is that Christians today, and this guy sometimes does this too, confession time. Sometimes what we do is we take credit for things in our lives and we try to find joy in it. Like I look at my children and I go, you know what? We're not doing too bad. We're pretty, we're we're not great parents, but we're okay. And I find joy in my children. And then they smart off to me and my joy's gone, right? However, right, just for a moment, if I if I find my if I realize that if there's any ounce of good in my children, it is not because of their bloodline or their raising, it is the grace of God Himself. So that then when they do smart off, I go, that's me there. Yeah. <laughs> but I still have joy. Like I still have this joy because I know from them the job you have. Man, I've worked hard to get where I am. No, you ain't. God blessed you. God gave you those opportunities. So don't take credit for those. You can't find joy in something. If you've patting yourself on the back, it'll fall away in a moment. But if you realize that the blessings you have in your life are not because you're good, but because God is, then in that moment we experience joy. This is what we see from Mary. Mary recognized this moment in her life as a true blessing from God, claiming no ownership for herself. This is what leads to true joy. And so I ask you the question, man, how has God blessed you this year? What ways have you seen God move in your life? What blessings should you be bring, should be bringing you joy this Christmas season? Amidst amongst all the fighting over toys at Walmart, amongst all of the having to hang out with family coming up that you don't get along with, amongst all of the things that can stress us out at Christmas, what should we be clinging to to give us joy in our life? The blessings of God, and I think Mary's driving that here. But there's more. Um, there's more. Mary's certainly joyful over God's blessings, but he also rejoice, she also rejoices as she recognized God's character 
in the midst of this. So Mary acknowledges some things about God that are really cool and make him worth worshiping for her. And one trait that she sees is his mercy. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 50. She says, God's mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. You see, there is a compassion about God that, that, uh, that, that Mary understood, that God shows compassion towards humanity that was worth acknowledging and worshiping in him. He's not a God who simply uses humanity as pawns for his purposes with no regard for their well-being. It was what the Greek gods of Mary's day were thought to do. But our God is one who, will, who shows mercy and love and compassion. This is a unique character trait of our God that should drive our own joy. And man, when I think of the patience that God has toward me in this, as I keep sinning in my life, as I continue to sin, as I pursue at times wrong things or live in seasons with wrong motives, instead of God going, I'm done with him, his mercy is new every morning. He continues to show me mercy, and that is something that should bring joy to me. Joy as I recognize the character of God, particularly in this case, his mercy. But Mary focuses not only on his mercy, but also his justice. If you read the Bible for yourself and you read about how God interacts with humanity, what you will find is that God handles justice a very unique way. It doesn't function like the world does in regards to who deserves what. There is an upside-downedness to the way God handles humanity. Notice what Mary says in the, in the thing. God has toppled who? The mighty from their thrones and exalted who? The lowly. He satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. You see in this, the mighty he makes low. What does is, what is humanity do? Humanity wants to schmooze the mighty for a better position. We want to ignore the lowly. Instead, God makes the mighty low and the lowly he raises up. The poor and hungry are filled, according to Mary, while the wealthy are made hungry. Do you see this? And this is exactly what Mary felt in the moment. (laughs) Mary's standing before an angel who says, Oh, favored woman. And she goes, What are you talking about? This can't be me. Because Mary knows she's just a person. She's just a a human being. She feels unworthy of the exaltation that God is exalting her to. Not only are you going to have a child, but you're going to bring the Savior of the world into the world. She was taking that point number one, the blessings of God, joy. She found joy in that, but she's also acknowledging this is just what God does. This is just what God does. This is the kind of God He is. He looks at the world differently than we do as humans. So Mary's joy was rooted not only in acknowledging God's blessings, but also understanding God's character. What she knew about God drove her to great joy. So we're going to do a math problem with you. A little equation, if you will. Okay? Mary's joy increased as her understanding of God increased. Okay? Now, on the other side of the equation, okay? 
I'm being careful with this because I butchered it first service. If you're sensing, why is he being weird about it? Okay. If your joy is, you're not experiencing joy in your life. How can you experience more joy? Okay. I did better this time, Cal. Thanks, man. By learning more about God. If Mary says that if we're recognizing from Mary that it's her understanding of who God is that drives her joy up, then what we can acknowledge is that more understanding of God means more joy. And so today, man, if you're sitting here and you're like, dude, uh, you're describing joy. I don't even know what that is. I'm so, I look, my life feels like the world looks like outside today. Gloomy, dark, terrible. What Mary's showing us through her, her, her magnificent, through this song that she speaks, is that if you want more joy, understand God more. Understand Him more. You see, your main priority needs to be growing in your understanding of who God is. Instead, what we do as Christians is we chase what we think joy is. What we do is we chase what we think others around us have found joy in. Through... through through uh, chasing these fleeting thoughts, these fleeting things, these this 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 mentality of just doing what's best for you, we're trying to find joy in broken in, in relationships with broken humans. We're trying to find joy in, in things that numb our pain. We're trying to find joy in all these things. But what we don't realize is the people around you that you think have found joy in those things are just smiling. There's not real joy. They're just smiling. And you think, man, I need that. No, you don't. What you need is real joy that can only be found in God. So stop chasing these fleeting things and come to the Word of God, which will teach you about who God is. The worst thing you and I can do for our joy is to assume we know enough about God, to neglect the importance of His Word, Because what I have found is the more I learn about God, the more I am driven to worship Him. And the more I'm driven to worship Him, the more joy I find in my life. Because joy, true joy, is rooted in God's character. And my knowledge of it. The last thing going on in Mary's response to God. Mary rejoiced when she trusted in God's promises. Listen to how Mary wraps up this, uh, this speech or song. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. You see, Mary knew that this coming son whom the angel told her to name Jesus was not just a blessing to her and her family. Yes, babies can be a wonderful blessing. But this soon-to-be miracle baby was the fulfillment of some really old promises of God, things that had been spoken 500 years, 1,000 years, 2,000 years, all the way back to the very beginning when God said Genesis 3.15 that we talked about two weeks ago. All of these things are being fulfilled. Mary understood this, at least in part. So to answer the age-old song, Mary, did you know, I think at least some of it, I think she understood maybe not all that Jesus was going to do, maybe not all that Jesus was going to accomplish, but she knew that God was going to do something really cool through this miracle baby. And it's this 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 trusting in, in the long age-old promises of God that's going on in the sh- with the shepherds, uh, the scripture that Patrick read earlier in the service. 
In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch of their flock, over their flocks. And an angel of the Lord stood before them. Glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Why? Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. And that verse right there, as we say here, it's full of hyperlinks. Every one of those words is just jumping off the page in my head. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. The angels declare good news of great joy for all people. And what is the basis of that joy? Not just that a baby was born. That can bring some temporary joy for sure, but there is more at stake here. Today, a Savior has been born for you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The shepherds were being told that joy had come to the earth, not just because of the personal blessing he might be to many, not just through the understanding of God's character better, though that happened by God inhabiting earth. No, this great joy for all the people was rooted in the promises of God. The one thing that the world had been waiting on since humanity fell in Genesis 3 had finally occurred. The Messiah had come. As you read through the entire biblical story, what you're going to find are many references to joy. Have joy, be joyful, rejoice. But the thing that sets our view of joy apart from the way the world views joy are the challenging verses written by Jesus himself. Matthew 5.10 Blessed or happy are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Luke 6, 22. Blessed or happy are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, insult you, slander your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Anybody feel that way? I'm going to tell you, it is not my most basis instinct when you come up and dog me out to jump for joy. I may be jumping, but it may be you, right? I may be jumping you, <laughs> But this, this is what Jesus says. Why? For this is the way. Uh, take note. He says, your reward is great in heaven. For this is the way the world has treated the prophets all throughout history. See, there's this, there's this idea of joy and happiness and, and glee that God is speaking about in his word that is different. And it's weird when the world looks at us, this is, this is not a natural response that the world would view uh, that, that God has called us to do, but it's what he's called us to do. And then Jesus' disciples, right? They just experienced the most joyful thing in the world, the guy that they had followed for a few years. And they, I know in the back of their mind, they had to be thinking, is this all nuts? Because this, like, this is wild. Like this is, this guy claims to be the savior of the world. He's the Messiah. He's the one we've been waiting on. What if it's all made up and he's just a magician or something? And like, we've been following him, right? And so that, that has to be in the back of their mind, maybe just a little bit. But there's this moment in which all the claims, everything he claimed to have to be and to do for the world is like, is proved by but they're, they're hanging out one day. They're behind closed doors. They're meeting together because they're scared to death. And Jesus shows up in their midst. 
They watched him die on the cross, but here he is in their moment. I don't, I don't know what, like I've been at the, I've been at the birth of two children. I've sat at my wife's head as they, as they performed a C-section and held my baby up. It's incredible. I've watched some incredible things here as your pastor and at other churches. I've seen incredible things. I can't think of a more joyful moment that would make me go, yippee, (laughs) than seeing the one who I've followed for years prove to me to be the Messiah. Yet, a short time after, in this story, what happens next is they begin to face persecution. They're questioned, they're beaten, they're abused, and many of their friends who are Christians are even killed. So tell me, what happens to joy in that moment? Sorry for the spit. What happens to joy in that moment? Well, if it was only rooted in the heart-fluttering feeling they got when Jesus spoke to them for the first time, it's gone. If that's all it was, was a smile on their face, it's gone. But if that joy was rooted in something greater, if the happiness and the joy they had felt in their life had less to do with their circumstances and more to do with the powerful God that they served, they're good. No matter what they are experiencing in the world around them, they are still inwardly experiencing the same great joy that the angels promised. The same joy that Mary felt when she first heard the news that lasted her lifetime as she watched her son die on a cross. This is why Jesus and then his followers later say crazy things. James says this, Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, when you experience various trials. Paul says this in Philippians, For it has been granted to you as if it's a gift on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Philippians 3.10, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. No, thank you. But Paul says, this is my goal. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14, dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may also rejoice with great joy when His glory is revealed. If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. You see this? Like the world would read that and go, what in the world? That's the craziest backwards thing. Do y'all really believe this? Yeah, (laughs) we actually do. This is foolishness to the world. And those without an understanding of who God is and his character and his plans for mankind are going to face some of the same trials maybe that we do, some of the difficulties in life, and they're going to be unable to find joy at all in the midst of it. But with the Spirit's help, because Christ has saved us by his blood, it seems from God's word that our task is to rejoice even in the midst of all the difficulties that sin brought in the world. That's why Paul, as he wraps up Philippians, which if you've read the thing, it's just, you're going to go through a bunch of junk, but rejoice the whole time. And as he's starting to wrap up this letter in Philippians 4, 4, he says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. See, church, by no means am I claiming as your pastor today that this is an easy task. No way. And it won't become automatic in our lives overnight because you heard a sermon or because you read your Bible for five days in a row. 
Right? Like, you're not going to jump for joy tomorrow when you face trials and difficulties because you heard this sermon. This is going to take maturing. It's going to take a lot of wisdom. It's going to take time. But what we can know for sure is that there is a way that you and I as believers are supposed to see the world, supposed to interact with the world, and it is one of joy. So this morning I want to ask you a question that I think is uh, that you're going to blow off the first time you hear it. So I'm going to have to ask it a few times. Are you living a joyful life? You're living a joyful life. I know some of you are going through junk and you're like, no, Heath, next question. I get it. But are you living? And I don't mean, I don't mean walking around like Buddy the Elf, smiling at everybody like a crazy person. I don't mean faking it. You understand the difference? There's a lot of church people who just fake it. Smiling's my favorite. It's a quote from the movie. But is there real joy in your life? Can those closest to you see the joy in you? What about those who see you on somewhat regular basis, those kind of in the outside circle? Are they seeing joy in you? Can I just be honest with you? What what God laid on my heart this week was that one of the worst witnesses we can have as believers is to live joyless lives before our unbelieving friends and neighbors. And so many Christians do it. We live joyless lives. And then you know what we pray? God... Lead them to trust in you as I have. Let them find the joy that I have in you. (laughs) And your neighbors are going, that's joy? No, thank you. Right? Like, it's a, a, we expect them to some reason want what we have. We have it so wrong, church. Had a conversation with a lady right up here uh, uh, at Christmas house. And she was a Catholic lady, and we were talking about about, about faith and God, and, and we're talking about boring church. Because <laughs> I don't know if y'all, that's a that's a that's a thing. Y'all know that, right? Church can be real boring, and I pray that y'all never feel that way about me. That's why I run around and jump around to try to keep you awake. But I told her, and I and I and I told I told another couple. We ended up talking to him. He he was a pastor, and and he brought up. Man, having fun in church, and I told him, I said, I've never got to, I've never been a pastor of a church where I can make decisions. Like, as far as like, pray to God and say, God, what do you want our church to look like, and I can actually act on it. Like, I've never been in a position to be able to do that. And now that I'm here, what I, what, I, what Kelly and I talked about even before we came here was like, why can't we have fun in church? Like, why can't church be a place that's fun that people want to be a part of? That even people outside of our faith, outside who aren't even Christians, aren't even filled yet with the Spirit, but go, there's something about that group of people that I want to be in that. I want to find out what they have. And I told a gentleman up here at this table named Tim, and I told Tim, I said, man, I, our saying is, and y'all have heard me say it, we're going to be serious about the things we need to be serious about. We're going to cry over the things we need to cry about. But dude, we're going to try to have a blast with everything else because I believe this is what God has called us to do. When we have the joy of Christ in us, it's got to find its way out. So today, I think I just want to ask you this. Do you need to repent of your joylessness? Like that's a real thing. As Christians, there can't. we've got to repent of that. We've got to come to the Lord and confess and say, God, rekindle your joy in me. And I don't think you. that's not like a, so you've got to be baptized, you've got to be saved again. I'm not saying any of that. I think a Christian can find themselves in a joyless place. 
But ask the, but to repent of that and say, Lord, rekindle your joy in me. And if you're looking for joy today, don't just pray that prayer and walk out and expect God to give it to you. I've showed you today from the words of Mary herself, the mother of Jesus, through the inspired word of God, where to find them. First off, look at the blessings in your life that God has given you. Some of you trust us as a staff and me, particularly as your pastor, to know the junk in your life. Some of you some of you bring stuff to me as prayer requests. Some of you write cards. Some of you call me, text me, email me, whatever. And I know some of you guys are going through some tough stuff. Like, I don't even know how to label it. There's no adjective to describe what some of you are going through. And I get it. I know that. And some of you, I don't even know what's going on. But I know there's a heaviness. And in those moments, I'm not, I mean, definitely pray that God take all that away. But in the midst of that, you do have a choice. You can choose to cling and to hold on to the bad things and ask God all those questions. And and I'm not saying don't ask it, ask God those questions, but you have a choice to cling in the depths of your frustrations and the depths of your anger and the depths of all that you're going on. You can cling to notice the things that God has done to notice the prayers that he has answered, to notice the ways in which he has poured out his love on you. Even if there's a hundred things around you that you're praying about asking God to take away, find the things this Christmas to cling to that will bring you joy because God has poured out his blessings on each of us. Number two, Grow in your understanding of God's character. If you want to be a joyful person, you've got to grow in the knowledge of God's character. The more we know God, the more we know about God, the more joyful we will become. Spend time in His Word this week and the rest of the year. Miss Terry has a Bible reading plan. If you have children, grandchildren, Miss Terry has a Bible reading plan for Advent that goes along with everything that we're studying. I think she gave that out the first week. I'm sure she's still got copies. If you go pick up your kids today, ask her for one. It's incredible just to be able to read. We as a family, can I be prom- Can I be honest with you? We started December 1. We haven't done it every day as a, as a family. We've tried. There were some nights it just didn't happen because it was hard. It was hard. But we're trying. We're trying to read Scripture with our children every night and try to do something with them as often as we can to help drive home what we're studying. Our, your kids are studying the same thing we are. Hope, peace, and joy. So start reading your Word. The last thing, rest in God's promises. If you're lacking trust in who God is and what He has promised He will do, give that up today and begin trusting Him. Call to Him and tell Him you are trusting Him with your life And I'm just crazy enough to think that if the group of people who call Lindsay Lane East home will begin, even if we're joyless, will begin to do these three things, I just, I believe that joy will begin to swell up out of this place and that our community will see it in us. Amen. Amen. The first step of experiencing joy begins with trusting in Jesus as your Savior. You can find, you can find some smiles you can find some little momentary glimpses of good things apart from Christ. But real, lasting, deep joy, like what we read about in Scripture today, only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
If you've never trusted in him, we'd love to talk with you about that today. I always stand at the back. Um, just You can come back there and talk to me. If you'd like to trust in Jesus today, ask questions. Um, just ask, You're just seeking answers to some things. We'd love to talk with you. Um, you can also come and pray at this altar. Over, if you need to confess some sins to the Lord, you can do it right where you are at this altar. You can come and pray for other people. Whatever you need to do, you respond to God in the way that, that he's calling you to today. Um, Patrick and the worship team are going to come up. The way God's calling you to respond may just be to sing from your toes today. Y'all know what that means? I'm talking about sing to the Lord. Let him know through your words in this song that, that you love him, that you're thankful for his mercy and for the joy that he gives. I'm going to say a prayer, and then we'll all stand and respond. Father God, we thank you, God, uh, for your word, God, that does teach us about who you are, God, and gives us just these glimpses, God, of what it looks like uh, to be truly joyful. And God, I'm thankful for this story of Mary, God, this uh, this this poem, song, speech, God, that she gives um, that teaches us so much about what to be joyful about and um, where we can find real joy. And so, God, today, as the people of Angelina East leave here, um, and myself included in that, God, that we would drive towards joy. And, God, that the community around us would see it in us and want it. And, God, that they would find Jesus. Uh, we thank you, God, uh, for the joy that we do have. God, for the peace we have. God, the hope we have. Um, God, continue to speak to us through this, this Advent season. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll stand and sing, guys.